Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about transformation. Brand new series. Well, this series is going to help us discover the fact that God wants to transform our lives. I wonder if you've taken enough time to stop and consider how much things have changed in your own personal life this past year or so. For some, there's grieving. For others, there's, well, there's been disruption. But some of us move so fast through life that we rarely stop and consider all that's happened to us and its impact and effect upon our lives and how much our thinking has changed for better or for worse. Well, our theme verse for this series is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and I would love for you to place it in your memory. Some of you already know the verse, but if not, let it be your assignment for this week to memorize Romans 12, 2, and let's read it out loud wherever you are. Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's say it again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, God wants you to be a, a nonconformist, to be transformed. And you'll either be conformed or you'll be transformed. That's what the verse is all about. Now, remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you to be unique. No one else is like you. You have a unique voice print, a unique thumbprint, a unique handprint, a unique heartbeat, because God doesn't make clones. <laughs> the, the problem is we all start out as original, but we end up as copies of other people, other cultures. We get conformed by the opinions of others, the theology of others, the negative words of the people around us. And while God wants to form us and shape us, the world is working really hard at putting us into its mold and under its process too. So I want to share with you about goals for our lives today and the directions that our lives should take. But before that, well, a little illustration about transformation. I have some paper here. I mean, this is a blue paper and there's a, a green paper. Uh, and all of these pages are pretty good. Yeah. But unless you want to make them fly, if you want them to fly, you can form them into airplanes. I was looking at a website. It was pretty cool. It, it, was, called, it was called Foldable Flight. And the guy named Kyle was explaining how to make airplanes. And so I was grabbing some of the, the airplanes and whoa, they fly pretty well. You see, I could try to fly the paper or I could try to fly the plane. <laughs> and the plane was being transformed from paper to plane. Now, silly illustration, okay, but that's what God wants to do with us. He, he, he wants to take us from how we are and begin to shape us and form us and bend us and curve us into the kind of people he wants us to be. So why are goals important to changing my life? Well, the Bible lets us know that, number one, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. 
And you may not think of it as a spiritual responsibility, but it is. I mean, the Bible even tells us that Jesus set goals. In fact, he often announced publicly what his next goal was. I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to go to do this. I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to be there and I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. I mean, he publicly would announce in advance what his goals were for the next phase of his ministry. And people that walk with God in the Bible were directed by the goals that God had placed inside of them. I think of the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. He says, I know that I'm not yet what God wants me to be. I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't yet reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep my eyes focused on the goal so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. All of you who are spiritually mature should think this same way too. I mean, Paul was focused, goal-focused. And with all that he went through and his beatings and his persecution, he could have easily been sidetracked, distracted, and other-oriented. But he was goal-oriented. And he says, I haven't yet reached my goal, and my eyes are focused on the goal. Wow. Paul is saying, I'm still in the process of being transformed. God is taking me like, like this paper and, and turning me into something greater, into the goal that he has for me. But, but catch the lesson. You're going to go through life either by design or by default. Wait, wait a minute. That was so good, I've got to say it again. You're going to either go through life by design or by default. You're either going to set goals and you're going to decide what's important for your life, or other people are going to decide what's important for your life, and they'll do it for you. When you lose your way, and you lose your goal, and you lose your purpose, then you stop living, and you start reacting in life instead of living life. You're like a boat that's tossed back and forth without a clear course or direction. You're drifting through life, coasting through life, and by the way, whenever you're coasting, you always go downhill. Paul is teaching us to set our goal, to strive for the goal, to move toward the goal, and to keep our eyes focused on the goal. Now, some might say that goals are optimistic thoughts, but no, they're not optimistic thoughts, but statements of faith. Lord, I set my heart towards what I believe you've given me to do and how you're shaping me and transforming me. So by faith, I set my goals, and I believe that God wants me to accomplish such and such by such and such a date, and that's a statement of faith. You see, goals aren't just a statement of faith, but they stretch your faith. And the bigger your goal, the more your faith will be stretched. And that pleases God, because the Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you don't have any goals that require trust, then you really don't need any faith. Now, now how about a goal-stretching verse? Get ready. Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, 
but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. There's nothing that God cannot do. And if your view of God is too small, or if you allowed the circumstances around you to overshadow God and who he is, then you have deep problems. See, let the size of your God determine the size of your goal. And that's how you said, as a lot of uh, leaders use this phrase, big, hairy, audacious goals. I've talked about them years ago. And someone may ask, if you set a big, hairy, audacious goal, who do you think you are? But that's a wrong question. The question really should be, who do we think God is? Big God, big goal. Tiny God, tiny goal. No God, no goal. Let the size of the God you believe in determine the size of your goal. Now, I hope you'll let me speak to you as your pastor and your brother and your friend. So, so, so lean in. Stop your puny little thinking. And I'm saying that to myself. Stop putting God in a, in a little jewelry box. Stop allowing some, some words that someone spoke to you to dominate your heart and your mind. We've all done that. But remember, hurt people hurt people. Vengeful people seek revenge. And angry people will find a way to bring you down because that brings them joy. And stop all your internal arguments and start dreaming. What can God do in your life if you would trust him fully? Don't limit God by your unbelief. And so I challenge you to dream big dreams for God. And I challenge you to think bigger than you've ever thought before so that you have to trust God and be transformed in order to do so. Now, one thing the pandemic taught us was to realize what matters most, to focus and to simplify and to make things count. But that does not mean that we have to dream small. It means to focus more and dream bigger. Vision clarity strategist Will Mancini says, when we don't name our dreams, we get too excited about the lesser things. We don't have a visionary problem. We have an imagination stuckness, Mancini says. So take the time to pursue the dream God has over you and name it. Why? Because your goal is not dynamic until it's specific. So name it. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, will it be done to you? See, great faith will allow for great transformation. So here's an exercise I want to give you, a little, little homework from LFC. Set one goal a week for the next seven weeks. One goal a week for the next seven weeks, you'll come out with seven amazing goals and ask this question, will this require me to have faith? Again, if the goal is too small or the dream is too small that you don't need God, well, you've got the wrong dream and the wrong goal. Is it such a big dream that I'm bound to fail unless God helps me? Now, I know a lot of people say this, don't go out on a limb. <laughs> it's scary out there, but that's where the fruit is. The fruit is not at the trunk of the tree. You don't get the fruit by playing it safe. It's out there on the limb. So go for it. And the second thing I want you to see is that goals 
focus my energy. Another one of the reasons why you need to set goals in every area of your life is they focus your energy. They keep you from wasting time and wasting money, your reputation going south, and they also keep you from wasting your energy. They keep you focused. There's been so many disruptions and distractions in 2020, and even now in 2021. How can we focus on what matters most if we have no clear goals? You may recall Alice in Wonderland, her encounter with the Cheshire cat. And here's what Alice says. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? The Cheshire cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, I don't much care where. And the Cheshire cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And Alice says, so long as I get somewhere, the Cheshire cat says, oh, you're sure to do that if you only walk long enough. No goal, no focus. Now, you've probably heard me share many times about a a hose nozzle, that when you decrease the flow, you increase the force. A smaller amount of water coming out the end of the nozzle, but in a little stream, is so much more powerful than, well, no nozzle at all at the end of the hose and water just running out. If you want to wash a spot of dirt off, well, what do you do? You turn the nozzle in such a way that you increase the force as you decrease the flow. Or how about this? Light diffused has no power at all. But when you focus light, it has enormous power. See, the sun doesn't set the earth on fire because it's diffused. But, but I remember when I was a kid and I would take a magnifying glass and I would just get it angled just right and the sun would shine through that glass and that light was focused. I could burn some grass or I could burn some little bugs. Sorry. <laughs> but you focus the light and you can actually start a fire. Or if you focus the light even more, it becomes a laser. And if it's really focused and intense, that laser can cut steel and a laser can kill cancer. And I want you to live a laser life as we move forward. And as we discuss a transformed life in this series, we're going to talk more about living a focused life in every area of our life. See, we don't have time to do everything. I'm sure you figured that out already. You don't have time to do every little thing that pops up or the to-do list of others that's put on top of your to-do list. But here's the good news. Boy, this is delivering news. Get ready. God doesn't expect you to do everything because not everything is worth doing. And again, the pandemic reminds us of all of that. There are only a few things that are really worth doing. And the key to being effective in life as a woman of God or as a man of God is to do what matters most and forget everything else. Goals focus our lives. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who's hitting something, not just hitting the air. I'm not just a playing air guitar, and I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm in it to win it. And when I run the race, I run to win. I want my life to bring honor and glory to God. Don't you want that? I know that you do. 
I, I don't want to run without a goal or I'll end up running in circles or chasing my tail. And the next point is this, that goals inspire me to keep going, to keep going. See, when you're going through hell, what do you do? Well, you stop and you set up your tent and you camp there. No, no, no. When you're going through hell, keep going. Just keep going. The way you do that is to have a goal beyond where you are. And Jesus teaches us that by, by how he lived, even when he went to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal. Oh, I love this version. The goal and the glory that was set before him. And we see in contrast of Jesus's life, Job's life in the Bible, in Job 6.11, he says these words, I do not have the strength to endure. I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. You have to have a goal to keep you going. Now, they did a study once of Holocaust survivors of many of you know, my, my family was a part of the Holocaust. And in World War II, many Nazis uh, uh, killed over 6 million Jews and many others beside the 6 million Jews were killed as well. There were some Christians and some Muslims and some gays that were killed. Other people that, well, Adolf Hitler and his regime just didn't like. And they put them in what was called death camps. And they studied those who survived those death camps, the, the terrible tragedies and atrocities. And they discovered one thing in common with all the people who survived. Every one of them had something to look forward to. They didn't just focus on the fact of the death around them and the horrible hatred around them. They looked for the goals beyond that moment and beyond that season. They had a goal and they wanted to live. Now, those who didn't have anything to live for, those who, who didn't have anything to look forward to, well, no doubt they lost hope and simply gave up. And of course, some were put into gas chambers or given lethal injections and had no choice to have hope. But for those who did, and not only in the time of the Nazi concentration camps, but we've heard it time and time again from those who've been incarcerated, those who've been in prison, prisoners of war, there was some kind of resolve inside them, an amazing resolve for the hope and the goal that was set before their lives. You see, goals keep me going, and the long-term goals keep me from being discouraged about short-term setbacks. How many times has a setback thrown us so far back that we simply didn't get up again? And as Job said, I have to have a goal to encourage me to carry on. So even today, you might be discouraged. Maybe you're feeling a little down. Maybe you're feeling low. Nothing is ever going to work for me, and I will never, and it will never happen. It's not for me. It's for everyone else. I encourage you to stop that thinking because God is on the move, and I have a promise for you, and I want you to have it. It's from the Word of God, Philippians 1.6. God is the one who began this good work in you. Yay! And I'm certain that he won't stop before it is complete on the day that Jesus Christ returns. God is working, and he is moving, and he's working in you. And the next point is this, that goals transform my character. 
You see, the, the, the paper doesn't really fly that far until it has had its character changed and it goes through a process, a process of being formed. This is actually a paper airplane in process. It's not arrived yet, but someday it will fly far because it's going to submit and surrender to the work of the person who's shaping it to be the plane that it needs to be. You see, drifting doesn't build your character, but goals build your character. And if you get a vision and you get a goal, the Bible says you're going to do just fine. Why? Because the Bible says without a vision, the people perish, or better yet, they cast off restraint and do their own thing. See, God is all about transforming us. And it's very, very true that he's more interested in our character than in our comfort. He's more interested in our character than in our accomplishment. God is deeply invested in who you are and what you will become. God's interested in you. So, so here's the idea. While I'm working on the goal, God's working on me. That's what God wants to do in your life. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 12, I keep striving toward the goal. See, I'm, I'm not through. I've not arrived. I am striving. This means it takes my energy and my effort and my focus and my intention. It is my purpose to reach the goal that God has called me for. You will never become the man or woman God intends you to be unless you intend to become the man or woman that God intends you to be. If you're married, your marriage will never be what God intends for it to be until you intend to have your marriage as God intends it. In other words, there's work to be done, and all of us need to do it. I raise my hand as well. Will we do the work in, with intentionality that needs to be done in order to be the people that God wants us to be, to have the marriages we are supposed to have, to have the churches we're supposed to have, and the list goes on and on. And the next point is this, that right goals are always rewarded. If you have the right goals, there's going to be, well, two reasons that you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded on earth by people, and you're going to be rewarded by God in heaven. When you have a good goal, it brings respect. When you have a good goal, it brings honor. When you, when you give your life to a good goal, it builds a legacy right here on earth after you're gone. And the Bible says in Proverbs 11, 27, if your goals are good, you will be respected. I love that version. But I also read it in another version, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Try hard to do right, and you will win friends. Go looking for trouble, and you'll find it. And then the Message Bible reads this way, Proverbs eleven twenty seven, same verse. The one who seeks good finds delight. The student of evil becomes evil. So if you want to be respected and win friends, <laughs> and if you want to have delight in this life, then you need to set some goals that are good to the core. The greatest people I know are, are people who've had the goal greater than themselves. The greatest people I know are people who've lived a, a, a selfless life, not a selfish life, a generous life, not a grabbing life. You see, God has made you for a purpose on purpose and to live your life for him and others, to learn how to love, to be generous, 
to learn to worship him and to follow him as Lord and Savior and to share your faith in Jesus with others, to learn to serve and to make a difference in the church and in our community, in your neighborhood. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, all athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that'll fade away. But we do it. You and I do it for an eternal, eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. The greatest Christian that ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And he set some amazing goals and he ran hard after them. So what is your goal? What is your vision? What is your personal assignment? Well, that's your homework. Each week, as I said, for the next seven weeks, let's write down a goal. Let's write down an assignment that we have and let's bring it before God and say, God, is this big enough for you? Is there something bigger you want me to add or greater that you want me to accomplish? Hey, before we worship, let's end with this verse. It's a verse we started with, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our time of worship we're about to enter into. I thank you for each one that's here online with us today. May we all understand the greatest goal in our life is to allow you to be our Lord and our Savior. The greatest goal in our life is to allow your Holy Spirit to fill us and work through us. And the greatest goal in our life is to give ourselves away to others so they can find the love and the peace and the grace that you have given us. Use us for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.